This is episode number 28 of the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is Kevin Morris. Excited to have you with me for another episode here on the Better Bible Reading Podcast. And we are going to look at a rather discouraging book of the Bible for many people, and that is the book of Revelation. Now, why is the book of Revelation so discouraging to so many people? We're going to answer that today. We're going to talk about uh, perhaps uh, what would be a good way to understand the book of Revelation. So I want to teach you today how to understand the book of Revelation before you think that this is going to be perhaps a unbelievably easy and simplified way to understand it. Let me go ahead and uh, maybe let you down a little bit because what I don't want you to think is that this is going to be the key to unlocking the book of Revelation in one podcast episode. Now, frankly, that that would be pretty absurd for me to make you think that I could do that. Um, it would also be quite um, egotistic on my part, because if we take the time to look at church history and the way that people have struggled to understand this book and to find the right meaning of what is being said it would really just be a disrespect to all those who have gone before me, who've gone before us in ages and centuries past uh, in the history of the church to seek to understand the book of Revelation that I'm going to suddenly cut through all the noise and give you a quick way to understand the book. Now, before you turn this episode off to think that, well, what in the world is the point of me listening then? I do want to tell you that I believe I'm going to help you cut away a whole lot of the confusion that does exist. So I might not be able to just tell you very simple terms how to understand everything in the book, but I think that if we spend our time together wisely on this episode, you're going to come away from this episode being a lot less confused with the book, encouraged to read it, and to do so on a faithful basis year after year in your life of Bible reading. So if you are game, then I am game, and I would like to invite you to join with me now uh, for a little journey to seek to understand this book a lot more than maybe you did when you first started listening to this episode. So to start things off, I first want to pose a couple questions to you. You can answer by yourself. You can answer them aloud. I'm not going to hear it, uh, but if you want to do it that way, that's perfectly fine. But let me let me give you two questions uh, to consider. Uh, how many of you listening have read through the book of Revelation this year already? Now, if you are a annual uh, Bible reader, if you follow an annual reading plan, you work your way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Um, you might be saying, I haven't, but we are in October at the time of this episode release. So in the next two months, I'm definitely going to read the book. And if that's you, then congratulations, because you can still answer yes, even though you haven't quite made it there. Just stick to your reading plan and you will get through it by the end of this year. 
totally cool. But those of you who might kind of do the uh, flip a coin approach or the uh, drop your Bible and whatever page it lands open to, that's what you read. If you go through that way, then probably due to the uh, the law of gravity, the book is probably not ever going to open to the book of Revelation. So I'm going to assume, based on conversations I've had with many people across different uh, congregations and different one-on-one sessions I've had with people, that most of you listening to this probably have not read through the book of Revelation this year. But if you have, if you've made it past the first question, let me now give you a follow-up question. How many of you make a practice of reading the book of Revelation every few months? Now, I'm going to be a little bold here. I'm going to assume that hardly anyone listening said me, said, yes, I do. I do read it every few months. Well, frankly, there is precious few people who do read the book of Revelation every month or every few months or even look at it or kind of skim through it any more than once a year at best. And that's really just because your Bible reading plan takes you to it. Well, I want to challenge you to not only be the person that reads through the book of Revelation every year, but also to be the person that reads through the book of Revelation at least every few months. So that would be three to four times a year you're reading through the book of Revelation. You know, the book of Revelation, obviously, is a confusing book to many of us. And if we were to just peer open to the beginning pages of this book of the Bible, we will learn very quickly that there is actually a direct correlation between our need for this book and our neglect of this book. What exactly do I mean by that? Well, for one, the book of Revelation is probably the least preached book besides perhaps some Old Testament books. It's the least preached book of the Bible among pastors to their congregations. If you're like me, you're familiar with Reformed theology or some of the Reformation period writers, think about Martin Luther, think about John Calvin, John Knox, and others, you'll know that the book of Revelation was also one that was avoided by those who wrote commentaries on books of the Bible. Now, you can certainly find commentaries on the book of Revelation, but you will notice that those who have contributed tremendously to helping people understand books of the Bible by way of writing commentaries that even the giants of the faith did not touch the book of Revelation. So the average church won't hear it preached in sermons, and this means that our only interaction with the book by and large, and I'm speaking generally here, but our only interaction with the book is going to be our own interaction with the book. So that means there is a direct correlation to how confusing the book is to us with how often we as readers take the initiative to read the book of Revelation. Now, 
I'm going to assume you don't have a Bible right in front of you. But if you did, you would want to take a look at the very beginning of the book of Revelation because if we are to understand the book, we want to, from the very beginning, peer at how exactly the book is introduced to the reader, that would be us, and how it's framed from the first chapter all the way to the last chapter. Now, this isn't going to be an overview of the entire book, but I do believe that if we were to simply look at the beginning, the first part of the book, we're going to have a really good starting point to understanding all the rest that's in it. And the first thing is this. Let me read verses 1 through 3 to tell you something really important about this book. Here's what it says, starting in verse 1 of the book of Revelation. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Now, notice a few things. First of all, the book of Revelation is a book of blessing. Now, quite frankly, I would imagine that if you were to describe the book of Revelation in one adjective, you would not say that it is a book of blessing. You'd probably say it's a book of confusion, a book of depression, a book of fear, a book of catastrophic proportions, but probably you would not describe it as a book of blessing. But interestingly enough, that is exactly how it is framed to the reader. Think about verse 3, that very last verse in that little paragraph there. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written. It is a book of blessing. It bestows a blessing upon the reader. And that's interesting. In addition to that, the book of Revelation is also described as the exact opposite of confusing. It is not described as confusing. It is not described as mysterious. It is not intended to be that. Instead, it's described as a book that shows, that reveals, that makes plain. That's exactly what the name of the book implies. It is a book of revelation. It is a revealing, a showing. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So that's pretty packed full of glory, of good news for us just in those first three verses, because John, in writing the book of Revelation through the inspiration and authority and the infallibility of the Holy Spirit, 
communicates to us as readers just in those first three verses that this is a book of blessing and this is a book of revealing. It is not a book of confusion, nor is it a book that has some kind of hidden coded message in which we, by some kind of spiritual and theological gymnastics, have to decode what is in it in order to harvest anything worthwhile for us. If that were true, most of us simply as people, as readers, we simply don't have the time, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the interest in chipping away at what is there. But that is not the way the book is to be understood, nor is the way that it is given to us. It is given as a gift, as a blessing. In fact, it is the only book in the Bible that opens up by explicitly promising a blessing to the readers. Now, that's not to say that this book is the only book in the Bible that does bless us. Obviously, every book of the Bible does. If you listen to me for any length of time, you'll know that I am a huge proponent of reading the whole Bible, the entire Bible, every verse in the Bible. We shouldn't skip over anything. But the book of Revelation is that unique book of the Bible that promises explicitly a blessing. So how sad is it that the book, the one book that explicitly promises a blessing is the same book that we neglect to read? That is a fascinating truth. Going back to the first two questions I posed, how many of you have read through the book of Revelation this year? And if you have, do you make a practice of reading it every few months? The first, the first takeaway is that you should because, again, it's the book that promises a blessing to you as the reader. Why would we neglect the book that promises a blessing for us? Why? Well, perhaps because we're just simply confused not only with the content of the book, but with the way that it's structured and with the way that it is given to us. So what do we do about that? Well, the first and obvious thing is that we actually read it. Now, many of you would probably agree with the assessment that the book of Revelation is confusing. But if we're to stay consistent and to be honest with ourselves— why wouldn't it be confusing if we never read it? It's going to remain in a state of confusion, in a state of mystery or some kind of coded message, as is common for us to think about it, if we actually never read it. I haven't met to this day anyone who tells me that they regularly read the book of Revelation and it is confusing as they could possibly imagine, and they don't get anything that's in it. But I have met a lot of people who tell me that the book of Revelation is confusing, and my response is, well, how often do you read it? And normally, the response is kind of a shrug or a, well, probably not as much as I should. Well, I don't know if you're like that, but I'm going to assume that you probably are because, again, that's just been the way that the conversation has gone really year after year with my engagement with different people about this book. 
So again, if that's you, my first encouragement is read it. The second encouragement is it's a book that promises blessing, and it's not a book intended to be confusing. I think we confuse ourselves way more than we should, and we read it with the wrong framework. So speaking of framework, I want you to see in the assessment of the book that not only is it a book of blessing, a book of God showing us something, but it's also a book of instruction. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Because one thing that is true is that if we are going to describe, or rather, if we're going to understand the book of Revelation, we need to understand something about the way that it is set up. And this is a topic that I've addressed in different episodes uh, throughout the life of the Better Bible Reading Podcast, and that is the all-too-exciting category of genre and symbolism and all those things that we tend to just throw away and don't want to concern ourselves with because those are, you know, those are too academic. Those are too too much hard work involved, too much science involved with Bible interpretation. But it turns out that if we dismiss the way that the book is written, then we're never going to understand it in the way that it was intended. So knowing whether a book is fiction or nonfiction is going to make a great deal of difference in how we understand it and what it means for our lives. Let's just say for the sake of conversation here that the Bible is fiction. Well, what would that mean? Well, it would mean everything because if the truth claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to bear the sins of all those who would trust in him, and he did so to satisfy God's justice because we're in a state of sin and we are separated from God and we are condemned and guilty as rebellious people that have defected from God's perfect and holy requirements that he has of us as his creation and that Jesus bore that and died on the cross and rose again from the dead and promised to return again in glory and to execute judgment. If that is all in the context of fiction, well, that means everything. I mean, first of all, it means that we really shouldn't read it with a great degree of seriousness. We should really just be inspired of it the same way we're inspired by other books or other movies that we just happen to like the plot and the storyline to. But if it's nonfiction, if it's true, well, that makes all the difference in the world. Now, those are two extremes, obviously, between fiction and nonfiction. When I say genre, I don't necessarily mean that, but I do mean the way that the book is framed, the way that flows in the grid that we are to understand it. So I've mentioned before that there's a difference between the New Testament letters and the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, such as the book of Psalms or Proverbs. Well, in the same way, the book of Revelation should be understood in its proper genre. Now, this is a hotly debated issue, so I don't want to make it seem overly simplistic because it is debated as to what exactly is the genre of the book of Revelation. Now, if you've been listening to our Teaching Thursdays series, 
then one of the things that's interesting to note is that in dispensational theology, and if you haven't uh, interacted with that phrase before, don't know what it means, listen back to some of the previous Teaching Thursday episodes here on the podcast where I cover that in more detail. But in the dispensational theology, it is common to divide the book of Revelation up into two different genres. So it you'll hear that Revelation chapters 1 through 3 is similar to a New Testament epistle, a New Testament letter genre. And you see that in the fact that starting in chapter 2 and through the rest of chapter 3, there is seven letters addressed to seven churches. But then when you get to chapter 4 through the rest of the book of Revelation, it turns into apocalyptic literature. Well, that's a common way to divide the book in dispensational theology. But I think the book really stands on its own as its own unique genre. I would feel comfortable calling it apocalyptic literature from chapter 1 all the way through the end. But it is really interesting to note that the book of Revelation, in my opinion, is actually a reflection of the entire Bible. The book of Revelation as it turns out, has more Old Testament quotations or allusions to Old Testament verses than any other book in the New Testament. Actually, there's a really good book, which I have not read from cover to cover, but one of the most uh, helpful books in recent years has been from Greg Beale, and it's entitled the new the new testament's use of the old testament and he touches on that even more so in his commentary on the book of revelation because he works through how often the book of revelation relies on the old testament now this is where the concept of symbolism comes and this is where the concept of numbers comes into play because if you read the book of Revelation, it becomes clear very quickly that there are quite a bit of numbers, quite a bit of symbols and signs and depictions all throughout the book. And for somebody that just opens the Bible and starts to read in the book of Revelation, they seem to come out of nowhere. But if we are a little more familiar with our Old Testament, we start to connect the dots rather quickly and in my opinion, this is where a little bit is revealed to us about ourselves. How many of you, if you want to be honest here, how many of you understand your Old Testament like you should? Now, if you were to gauge your interaction with the Old Testament compared to the New Testament, would you say that it's a 50-50 split or would you say that it is heavily favoring the right side of your Bible, that is the New Testament? I would imagine, and I'm guilty of this too from time to time, I'm not singling you out, I would imagine that we are incredibly imbalanced in our interaction with the Bible if we were to compare the Old Testament to the New Testament. We probably know our New Testaments fairly well, or at least are familiar with it to some degree, but 
we might not spend as much time in the Old Testament as we want to or as we should, and that will show. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that a good test case for how familiar familiar you are with the Old Testament will be how well you understand the book of Revelation. The reason I say that is because Revelation is so heavily dependent on different things throughout the Old Testament, such as the book of Isaiah, such as the book of Ezekiel, such as Zechariah. And even if they're not direct quotations, they are illusions, they are little things revealed to us in the book of Revelation that seem to be unique, but then we suddenly realize that they actually come straight from different instances that happened in the Old Testament. Uh, A good example of that would be, this is from Revelation chapter 7, by the way, that there's a description happening here, and it says this in Revelation 7, verse 14. I said to him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Now, there's a hot topic there, the great tribulation. We'll pass over it for the sake of this episode. But here's what it says moving on. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, that sounds interesting enough, doesn't it? I mean, that's probably just a phrase from Revelation. Well, actually, it is borrowed from Isaiah chapter 1, and it's borrowed from Daniel chapter 12. Then we move on. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Where does that come from? It comes straight from Isaiah chapter 4. Moving on to the next verse. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Straight from Isaiah 49. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. End of chapter, which, by the way, is yet again straight from Isaiah chapter 25. So there in that simple analysis of the very end of Revelation chapter 7, you have one, two, three, four verses in a row that have content taken straight from the book of Isaiah and the book of Daniel. Now, there are some ways that we can find this out without having to do web searches. One of the easiest ways is if your Bible has footnotes, you can actually go to the bottom of your page or the middle of the page, depending on how your Bible uh, structures the footnotes. And your footnotes, if they are written well, the ESV Bible, which is what I use, uh, has a really good uh, footnote system. So, for instance, if I, when I read Revelation 7, verses 14 through 17, and I look down in the bottom corner of the page, and I match those verses, I will see that those verses have reference to some of those passages in the Old Testament. So, you can come across it simply by analyzing the page with the study tools that are already there, But if you don't want to go to all that trouble, 
simply having a working knowledge of the Old Testament, interacting with the Old Testament more and more, you will recognize those phrases such as hungering no more and thirsting no more and the sun not striking anyone with scorching heat. Those are not new to the New Testament. Those are not new to the book of Revelation. But what is being communicated is that those glimpses, those hints, those early discussions about those concepts, i.e. what's found in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, are being fulfilled, being brought to their conclusion in the book of, excuse me, in the book of Revelation. That's exactly what's happening. So a really helpful way to understand all the symbols and signs and numbers in the book of Revelation is by way of fulfillment. To say it another way, what is introduced in the Old Testament is being fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, that's not a unique to the book of Revelation reality. That's that's the right way to understand the Bible in general. That's the right way to understand the New Testament in general. But when we get to the book of Revelation, this is why I say it's helpful to understand it as a summary and an interaction with the entire Bible, because if the New Testament is the conclusion and fulfillment of the things in the Old Testament in general, then the book of Revelation is the fulfillment of the things in the Old Testament in particular and especially. So there's a heightened fulfillment. There's a fulfillment of the fulfillment, if you will, once we get to the book of Revelation. And that comes into play in so many places throughout the book. But it's helpful for us to know that right at the outset, that if we're going to understand anything about the book of Revelation, we need to understand that it is an apocalyptic book. It is a book that has signs and numbers, but we aren't supposed to suddenly treat them as if they're these foreign occurrences that we've never seen anywhere before, but they are instead a revealing, a making known, a fulfillment aspect of signs and numbers and symbols. And that's because they've already occurred. They've already shown up in kernel form in the Old Testament, and they're being brought to full bloom in the New Testament and finally and fully in the book of Revelation. So I hope that that whets your appetite for the book of Revelation. Now, I could certainly go into more detail about this, but I think it's actually best to leave this episode where we are right now because my whole goal of this episode is to get you to read the book of Revelation. So really, I want to leave you with a bit of a cliffhanger than is common to this show because I want you to leave this podcast episode pick up your Bible as soon as you can, and start reading the book. I'd like to offer you two ways to do that, quickly and slowly. Let me describe. The book of Revelation for the average reader can be read in one sitting between 50 minutes to an hour. I've done it in 45 minutes before. 
and I've done it in an hour. Now, if you have followed anything that I've said in terms of having a Bible reading plan, following Bible reading methods, then you'll know that the only way that that can happen is if you really do have that time set aside, if you value the Bible enough to sit down and read it, get rid of the distractions, get rid of the cell phones, get rid of all the the noise, get you a nice quiet place, even if that means waking up earlier for whatever day it is, and just sit down and just read it. Just read it from chapter 1 all the way through the end of chapter 22. You're not trying to stop every time you don't understand something. You're trying to get through it and see the big picture of the book. And I promise you, it'll be incredibly fruitful. You will really enjoy it. I've only started doing this in the last few years, and I'm really sad that I didn't do it sooner because it is a great experience to sit down and read any book of the Bible, for that matter, in this way, but especially the book of Revelation. And then finally, the second way you can do it is at a more slow pace. And I would advise you to do this, just take a chapter a day. Just take a chapter a day and work through it. There's 22 chapters in Revelation, so just over three weeks of reading it. So in less than a month, you could take it. You could pick a day to read the entire book, or maybe if you want to do it this way, here's here's another idea. The first day of the month, read the entire book of Revelation in one sitting. After that, work through a chapter a day until you get through with the entire book, and then when you finish that, read it one more time, cover to cover in one sitting. Now, in less than one month's time, if you do that, you will have read the book of Revelation three times. And that's probably three more times than you've read it this year so far. And you'll be surprised of how much you learn, how much is not nearly as confusing as you thought it was. And you'll be excited, you'll be encouraged, and there again, you will experience the blessing of the book of Revelation that is promised to us. If we'll just interact with it, if we'll just read it, if we'll take it as God's word, and we will grow in all the ways that he helps us to understand the book. So I hope that encourages you. I hope that makes you excited. I hope that you leave here with a hunger and a desire to read the book of Revelation because it is, after all, the book of blessing. Thanks for listening to another episode here on the Better Bible Reading Podcast. I invite you to go over to the website, betterbiblereading.com, where you will find all the blog posts that I've put out so far, previous episodes, ways to get in touch and interact with me, and always stay tuned for upcoming products, courses, things that I'm working on currently in the background, but will be rolled out to you. In the very near future, I'm excited for what's in store here on the Better Bible Reading Podcast. If you want to stay in touch, one of the best ways you can do that is to go over to the website, betterbiblereading.com, sign up for the newsletter, and you will be the first to know anything and everything that is being released from yours truly to you. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.